0: Hi, this is Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where we follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. I am a member of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and while this is an official, I am a believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ. A little bit scholarly, a little bit inspirational, this podcast will attempt to help us become better disciples of Christ. Join me, Scriptorians. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Lori, the 20-Minute Scriptorian, and we're continuing on our How to Read Apocalyptic Literature. So if you haven't had a chance, go back and uh, listen to that first section that we did a day or so ago. We're in summer of 2020, and so we're in the midst of a pandemic, and here in North uh, America, we're also in hurricane season that have hit our East Coast, as well as a number of other things like Riots and uh, economic challenges. So, I get asked a lot, like, "Hey, Lori, is this the end of times?" I I can see these uh, signs of the times, and so I thought it would be a good chance to talk about how to look at books like Revelation and Daniel, and and kind of see how we're supposed to read those and how we're supposed to interpret them. So, so today we're continuing on. Last time we did a little bit of what is it? What is apocalyptic literature? And unlike some of us believe, it's just become this funny word in Western culture to mean like the end of time and the disaster. And that's not what apocalypse means. Apocalypse as a Greek word means like unveiling or revealing, or as you probably guessed the name of the book, the revelation of Jesus Christ in the last book of the new Testament. So that's what we did last time was talk about how, and now I want to say, or uh, what, and today I want to do a little bit on how, and then nextly we'll, nextly, we will look at uh, an application and we'll try to do it together a little bit and see if it makes a little more sense. All right. So, Last, moving on. So last time we talked about what are examples and how we look at those, and and this time I wanted to look at how we look at those things, and and if you're going to be reading these stories, you're like, hey, you make sense of it. So first, let me give you a few clues. First, when we look at these events, you want to look at the whole story. So in the example of the Book of Revelation, you want to look at the whole book. Um, not a verse, not a chapter. And even when we try to apply it in our next section, we, we'll actually do the opposite of that. We won't have time to go through the whole book. But you want to look at the whole book and try to see really What kind of uh, message is it giving in totality rather than some verse or some or some chapter, some verse, some line, some specific symbol, and then make a list of symbols and say, therefore, you know, X, Y, Z. So we kind of talked about it's not a code. Um, You want to look at the whole story. So we also looked. uh, So that's that's really key. Uh, One of the things that happens is if you look at the book of Revelation. So I'll stick with that one because it's probably the one that you're most familiar with. But if we look at it, it's it's part letter, it's part prophecy. It was something that was to be read and passed around through the church in the, there in about the first century AD. And so it has a lot of different styles. In fact, it might be even meant to be listened to uh, rather than read, right? It's supposed to be read out loud. You see that in verse like three of the first chapter there, that this is a letter. And it has this odd structure that if you look at the book of Revelation, you say, how, do you remember how it begins? It begins with these admonitions or these instructions for the seven churches, and so there's there's a vision at the beginning and you get an introduction like a typical letter, John the Revelator. But then you see that it's these instructions to these seven uh, churches of the area, and they're they're by name even. So so you say, oh, most people just skip that part um, if they're trying to get to the code section. Remember, it's not a code. So if, if you forget that that's there or something, you might miss something vital, uh, that these are instructions for the church as a whole on how to overcome, uh, the challenges of the day and how Christ will be victorious. So, so when you look at the big picture, you're saying, Hey, this is a letter, there's prophecy and it's for the church. And in fact, there's seven churches. So you kind of, we'll come back to that in a second, but you kind of see this big picture. So I want you to always come back and say, what's the big picture, not the little picture, go big picture first. And in fact, if you even want to zoom out even farther, we should take a look at the bigger, bigger picture, which is the entirety of scripture. So if you were to come back and say, hey, let's take that first example that we just did of seven churches, you might say, hey, there's an element there. I'm trying to understand uh, seven and And you say, well, where did I first see seven in the scriptures? Take out the big, big, big picture. You say, well, right there in the creation story that the Lord uses seven creative periods, seven days to tell us about the totality or perfect or whole creation. And so we start to see this tie into the entirety of scriptures. And you'll see that as well from, uh, say, the brother of Jared when he starts to, ha- he has his apocalypse, his unveiling. He sees the Lord that he is doing these stones, similar to how Noah had um, an old story of Noah having a stone that lit up the ark, um, or a way for the people to uh, be saved in an ark uh, like Moses. And so you see these tie-ins to the entirety of scripture, the entirety of the stories. And and it just reminds me over and over again why it was so important for the Nephites to go back and get the brass plates, um, uh, the Lehites to go get the brass plates, because they needed these stories too, just like we do. That the entirety of the plan of salvation is this story that's going to take place, this end of uh, the book of Revelation. So, so take the bigger picture. So I would say, look at the whole story, look at the, the book that you're reading itself, or even take a step back and say, what is this within the plan of salvation? And I guarantee you, they're not surprising new secretive things. They're going to be things that you're like, oh yeah, yeah, we know those. Um, in fact, it's a good litmus test, right? If, if you're reading these and you're finding secret new things, It's probably off track you're probably going to find things that uh, have been taught to you since primary um, about the victory of christ the atonement uh god's love and covenant faithfulness to his people um is going to be the themes that you're going to find You're, you're not going to find these other things that's that's probably where we get off track so number one look at the whole story take the story as a whole so in the book of revelation it's this uh story of how Christ is gonna be victorious. And, and so you're gonna say, well, it's this letter to the churches. And you're like, well, because they're the entirety of the church, whether past or future or present, and how are they going to overcome the challenges of their day? How are they going to be victorious? And so how is Christ gonna work within his gospel to teach and preach to the people? So number one, look at the big picture. Uh, Number two, I want you to uh, watch to trace these ideas, these symbols throughout the code. So similar to number one, where you look at the big picture, number two is you're going to trace the ideas. So when you look at symbols and there are a lot of symbols in these stories, remember it's an unveiling. So it's kind of, they're typically visions or dreams, right? So Think about your visions and dreams. A lot of times, they use a lot of symbols or things standing for something else to try to teach you something. It's a it's a story that you can overlay a lot of gospel truths. And so, if you want to trace these ideas, uh, you'll see these symbols not as code, but as concepts that these symbols are conceptual. Remember what we learned about Doctrine and Covenant seventy seven when Joseph Smith is translating. He sees he has these question and answer and they said it's figurative. It's, it's a way to see these things. Um, and what about the animals and the wings? Well, it's the, uh, the power to move, to walk or something. It isn't saying the animal is it's J Edgar Hoover. Um, it's the animals trying to teach you something about these concepts, these visual concepts that are in there. Okay. So I want you to trace the ideas. Another way to do, to look at the symbols is to look at the concepts as they are explained throughout the entirety of scripture. So taking step one, looking at the whole and then two, tracing the ideas, you'll take these symbols as a concept and you'll lay them over the whole thing. So let's, let's look at an example, see what I mean there. Um, For example, uh, the book as a whole explains kind of the story of a war and it's about how it must be won. And the message is going to teach the church about that the whole church, what's what's specific to each of these sections of what they have to do. And so when you look at the symbols of, say, seven, like we said, we look back to Genesis and we see the story of the creation, complete or whole. We see a story, some of the other main elements. Start with the big picture. Start with the big elements. So um, there are these seven uh, seven inlaid sevens, the seven bowls, seven scrolls, seven stars. And they are, um, they're trying to teach us something there. Big picture, the lamb. What is the lamb? And so, in Revelation four and five, you see that um, John sees a vision of the throne, and he's introduced to the lamb. So you're like, well, what's this concept of the lamb? And you're like, Lord, I know that one. I know that one. And you probably really do, right? The Lamb of God, uh, John the Baptist. Behold the Lamb of God. Uh, Nephi, behold the Lamb of God. So we see that the the Lamb of God is going to be Christ, but we also see some other symbols that we're um, Maybe kind of familiar with, in in the next couple chapters, 12, uh, twelve, we're going to see a serpent, a dragon. It says a, a dracon, a dragon, and we think back and say, um, where's a co- trace back the concept of a dragon or a serpent? Where has there been a serpent or a dragon that represents something else? Um, and we of course go back to Genesis three with the talking serpent. It's this symbol of this primeval evil, this primeval. Um, interruption of goodness. And so we say, oh, I know that one. I know that one. So trace these concepts, these symbols as concepts, just like DNC 77 teaches us. Look at them as a whole rather than some code. And then you'll see where they are. These symbols, they, they might not always mean the same things in scripture and they're nuanced, but we kind of say, okay, the lamb, I get that one. Seven, I get that one. Um, and, and you'll see these layers that you say, I'm starting to get I'm starting to get what these beasts mean they're beasts used a lot of times. And so maybe get your concordance out and topical guide and see some examples and see if you don't see some themes and see where those lay. So that's number one. And number two, big picture, and then trace the ideas as concepts. Okay. The third step is looking at everything within its context. And so context we talk about a lot in understanding scripture is what was it trying to mean then? And then maybe trying to understand what it potentially means today. Now that doesn't mean that things can't have no context. It doesn't mean that we can't just take it as it is and see it in our own days, but it is helpful to understand maybe what revelation meant to the people of the first century and what they meant by, um, you know, the Roman oppression and some of the challenges that they were facing as a church and becoming more Greek and rather than just what we mean today and then we can take that context and say well how does that mean for us i think primarily it becomes a revelation for them and then it becomes a revelation for us clearly the lord wanted us to have it remember he told nephi that uh he would have john um reveal this to the people so it's something for all of us but what i want to stress is that it's really helpful to understand the context in which it was given and then sometimes those symbols and how they're overlaid and how the people would have understood them kind of helps them um, take it first, and then we understand ours. So, take the, that picture. So, if it has, for example, figurative usage like we discussed, and we say something like the serpent, uh, we can kind of figure out what that serpent would have meant uh, to people of that day. Now, whether they were Jewish or Jewish Christians, we can probably say, hey, we understand that serpent in a way that they would have. So we'll do that together, but just take it within context as the next step. Okay, so our fourth step is to look for the applied meaning of those themes. And so that's that's where you kind of take this big picture approach that we talked about in step one. For example, um, if you look at the story of a lot of these apocalyptic uh, stories, namely the book of Revelation, it's going to be how God triumphs over all of this. Or if you take something like Nephi or Lehi's dream, um, you look at how it's like, hey, God's got a plan for all of this. So when we look and say, hey, there's a lot of struggle and trial and uh, even natural disasters, pandemics in our world, where's God in all of this is the question. And so as we peel back the veil as where well, there's an unveiling, we see that there's going to be God's victory. Christ's redemptive hope for his people is there and so we see with new eyes we see the way that God sees the reality that we're living in so instead of saying it seems like it's out of control you see he sees a different picture so any of the apocalypses that you're going to look at any of them whether it's uh, Nephi's dream or um, Ezekiel, they've been banished to Babylon, and the temple has fallen. He sees that God's throne is there with them. Um, with the story of Revelation, we see that there's going to be an eventual uh, triumph. So while it looks dark and dreary now, it's going to work out. So, so look for the this kind of big themes or these applied meanings. So rather than look and say um, the seven seals mean the seven cone the uh, cups and the seven bowls, and it's 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 not really the better way to look at it. Take a step back. Look for the applied themes. Lastly, number five, look for the application. So you can first look for the application in the past. If if you were a person that was seeing the dream, Nephi, for example, Ezekiel, um, John the Revelator, you'd say, well, what was the message for them? I mean, it was a dark time for John's time. And Christianity was at, at a cusp of saying, are we going to survive And so what was the meaning for them? And it's going to be that these world powers, whether it was Rome or something else, was overwhelming the church, that there would be hope for them in the past. And then take it forth to your present, our present. What is the meaning today? So look for the application in past and present. And then that sometimes helps understand what is the story about? What is it trying to kind of outline for us all right so those are five Lori's five steps for understanding apocalyptic literature first look at the big picture uh what is a what's that book about namely and then what's the story of the whole entire scriptures and then within the plan of salvation what's the entire story of the plan of salvation about and where does this fit and then look to trace the ideas like we learned in doctrine covenant 77 that these are symbols they're figurative they are not um They're not a code, a secret code, that if only you had the code, you could figure it out. Third, look for, um, when you do look, you're gonna have to look at some of these symbols. So you're gonna have to see them as figurative. You're gonna have to understand some of these concepts. So take the context what is the figurative usage? And then just kind of layer it in from the past and see if you can see the big picture of it. What's different here is that you're trying to say, what do, say, the serpent mean? as some kind of evil, um, not some specific example, but something is a figurative use. Fourth, you're going to look for the applied meaning. So look at these big themes and say, what's this applied meaning that, that God is trying to share? When we look through his lens, what would the meaning of these stories be? And then fifth... The application both past and present. What are the applications that you can take and say, what is the Lord trying to teach me about the scary things that are going on in my life? Um, and then you can see that these, uh, these unveilings, these revelations, are a story of hope and Christ's victory and the Lamb and the plan of salvation that you've known all along. All right, brothers and sisters, I'm going to leave you with that as step two for how to read apocalyptic literature. Next time, we'll actually practice one. I think we'll either do Revelation 4 and 5 or Revelation 11, 12, um, and see if we can apply these five steps and see if it makes a little sense. Um, it, the more familiar you are with the scriptures, the more beneficial and easier this becomes. So from between now and then, read all of the scriptures and it will be a lot easier. All right, I'm kind of kidding. All right, hang in there. Keep on reading.